Yeah. yeah. We, we are the epitome of black female love. It's yeah. easy for us as, as black women to, to hold up the banner and the calls for everyone else. But again, who's who holds up the banner and the calls for us? What role does the church play in all of this stuff? Is that we as a black church are perpetuating the mm -hmm. same behavior as a patriarchal evangelicals have That's been doing. That's right. And guess church, what? But it's the sisters in the congregation. But it's the a lot of times it is the black women who uh, bring us down more, or push or try to silence our voices more in the black church. Oh, wow, ladies. Hello, hello, and hello. Um, those of you who are part of our viewing audience, please, please put it in the chat. Uh, let us know that you are listening with us on today. Tell us what city you are coming from. Um, we're so happy uh, that you all are here with us. So I'm um, just putting in the chat. Let us know that you're here. Ladies, my goodness, it has been a while. It has been a while. Let's who wants to do the catch up first? Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, everybody's looking at me. Okay, I'll do the catch up first. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How are you? It is wonderful to know that you're checking in, signing in, all that good stuff. It's We are glad to have you. Glad to be back with my sisters. My sisters all have a very full plate and and uh, sometimes we just have to brush by each other, but it's a blessing to be here. So much is going on. I've had graduations, um, two grandchildren graduations. Uh, oh, let's see. I uh, um, then had a graduation. I just came in from Chicago, had a graduation there. So it's exci I'm excited to see young people doing things and going places. And and just talking with a lot of the graduates, asking them, so what are you going to do when you when you you know after the summer? What's your plans? I'm going to go to college. I'm going to take up law. I'm going to take up radiology. I'm going to take up this. Um, one of my granddaughters got her master's in uh, journalism, and so this this girl never talked, never talked, and all of a sudden she got a voice, a real voice. And she's still talking. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Congratulations on that with your family. And I absolutely love the post that you put up um, about you and your husband. Um, I thought that was just the most um, transparent, real, honest, loving thing. So absolutely wonderful. Oh, okay. Wallace, what about you? Well, I'm doing much, 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 much better. I thanks and praise the Lord. I thank you all for your prayers and uh, covering me. I have enjoyed uh, Belize for a few days. I was able to breathe and be on the water, and I just loved it, loved it, loved it. So um, what's going on? That's the only thing I think that's going on with me. My granddaughters got awards, and they're moving from middle school to high school. So, yeah. you know, I was in, in this predominantly white school. I was so happy to see the uh -oh. math, math, uh, highest math scores for their grade. And, you know, I was just, just Man. tickle pink. That's all I can say. Awesome. Yeah, all is well, all is well. Dr. Bradford, did you notice how she got that in? Tickle pink. She was took. Did you notice how she threw that in? Tickle I couldn't even hear it. You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I can't hear hear those particular colors. You know, you know. But you know. I think they call that selective amnesia. Well, I, I thought it was so real. Cool. It was red and white that made me think. So, Chris, how you do? I am good. It seems like I have been on and off planes, on and off planes um, for the last month, um, trying to catch up. And um, there have been a couple of nights, you know, when you travel so much, a couple of nights, and Dr. Bradford, you know this, um, that you wake up and 
in the middle of the night and, and you're going, wait a minute, where am I? Exactly. And, and, and trying to, to figure out, wow, okay. But, but it's been good. Life has been good. Um, the, the, my uh, first, well, we can say my first year of the semester closed out here at Georgetown. And so, yeah, right. Um, and so um, that's, that part has, has been really great. Um, a lot of the graduate students um, in the building where I am have graduated. And, and this week, has been really good running into them. Those who finished putting that PhD work, they got it done, graduated the master's level. And, and so it's just been rewarding to, to hear the conversations that they have and to hear their next steps and to be around these group of folk who are excited about life, mm-hmm. young, but not sure about life. And so all of that with travel and just personal life is like, oh! So it's been good. <laughs> I, I need to put in another plug if it's okay. Um, yes. Press um, just get, let me know that they are going to publish my dissertation. So I just got, I just got my EDD and I was told it had global imp- uh, implications. So I, 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 I forgot about that. I just need to let wait y'all a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Y'all speaking to me backstage. You is small. <laughs> you is pretty. <laughs> you is important. <laughs> Need to stop. Need to stop. Like you Congratulations. I, 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 I was young enough to do a PhD, but I'm I, I'm past it. <laughs> I, 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 oh. I will oh. see that in heaven. Hallelujah. Um, Congratulations. So, Bradford, what about you? What about you, Bradford? What about you? Oh, this last month, I don't buy me. I tell you, <laughs> when I take you, um, as as you know, it seems since January, I've been on the road every week. And my goodness, Ishando, huh? <laughs> I'm so grateful and um, humbled by the opportunities. But guess what? Next week, next couple of weeks, oh, yeah, going to be on vacation with my husband. Wow. Right. Uh oh. Nothing wrong with that. Uh oh. And I'm so ready. I'm so ready to, to pl- unplug. Well, I'm not taking any computers with me. Uh, yes. Period. So yes, I'm I'm excited. Oh wow. I'm yeah. wow to hear Dr. Brack, you know, you always connected, you're always the one answering the calls, doing the next, and so to kind of hear you say, you know what? I'm gonna unplug. I applaud you. Mm, yeah. uh, that is absolutely wonderful. Always taking care of others. And so congratulations thank uh, you, to thank you. Um and that wow. Well, um, um Let's see, before we bring our guest up from backstage, um, there's a whole lot that's happened in the country, you know, since we had our last broadcast, um, um, number, you know, uh, 40, 45. If there was a way we could take a number out um, <laughs> of an American code. <laughs> it, been indicted, indicted, getting ready to get some more indict, some more. <laughs> Wow, um, but but a whole so, lot has, has happened. And- so what? You know, we keep hearing all these indictments. We keep hearing all these charges. So, and yeah, and he's still not going to put that in the, in the atmosphere. We want him to pay for the crimes committed. Absolutely. Well, and then but, but, and right. But this is the thing. So right now he's leading in in his in his party. I might be you all's party, some of y'all who are listening, but but I tell you, the greater terror to me now is yeah. that man in Florida. Florida. Yeah. What are we gonna call him, uh, Mr. D, or what? What what y'all? What, what's the handle? I, I I don't know, but but a person who stays up through the night to sign new laws and put them in place. Um, there, you know, if there was definition for demonic. Uh, that, that just has to be around there somewhere. Oh, but, <laughs> the Satan is that what his name is? The oh Satan. no, the Satan. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, but but and and as you all know that I've had a lot of travel back and forth between Florida and and having been there in um, in May, that one of the things and and, and talking with educators uh, that are there as well. But the number of individuals who are of um, Latin descent or Hispanic, 
that made the decision in, in the top of May to begin their migration out of the state so they would not be caught in the state when June 1 came, right? Wow. And so we look at that. And then as you said, Dr. Wright, that we also have the issue of a black woman, black mother who was killed, you know, be, um, just by knocking on a door and killed through the door. But we have a state that deals with staying your ground, that is permitless carry now, just all of these kind of wonderful things. And um, y'all. I mean, that's insane, especially when she was only trying to do the diplomatic thing is going over to have a discussion with her neighbor about what happened. It's very disappointing. Excuse me. Mother of four. Yeah. And then we have the young man here in Kansas City, uh, Ralph Yarble. He is still, still healing. Um, he's with his family. Recently uh, participated in a um, a march for uh, brain trauma. Uh, because and and people make the assumption because he is functioning that everything is one hundred percent and it's not um, and 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 let's don't even go for the emotional part of it. <coughs> Excuse me. When people think in terms of him wanting to go somewhere to visit and not knowing the uncertainty of how people are going to respond, Correct. it's a very frightening thing. We very frightening life. Wow. Wow. Dr. Wallace, I think we have a tremendous guest um, backstage with us. Um, yes, please. an awesome, awesome sister. Um, Dr. Kimberly Rousseau is Associate Professor of Old Testament. She is a member of the Society of Biblical Literature, where she serves as the chair of the African American Biblical Hermeneutics Program Unit. She is also an editorial board member of the Journal of Biblical Literature. Her other professional memberships include the Academy, the American Academy of Religion, um, the Society, uh, let's see. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, guys, the National Black MBA Association. Her many publications include have another look at the woman of Jericho, daughters in Hebrew Bible, and undaunted readings, Miriam, for the sisters they tried to erase. My God. Yes, wow. Dr. Russo wow. has lectures are presented at events uh, such as PBS, Bible, and religions of the ancient Near East, the Association of Theological Schools, and the Society of Biblical Literature. And she was my professor at Union Presbyterian Seminary when she did uh, a womanist hermeneutic, uh, or womanist biblical interpretation. She is remembered as the, that ain't right. Because she's not remembered as no prostitute. Well, she's talking about Rahab. I'm Rahab sorry. was remembered as I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I couldn't get out. I, 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 I just got Rahab. Nothing. Let me introduce Rahab. my scholar. How about that? Let me do it that way. An Alpha Kappa Alpha woman from the ITC and Vanderbilt University. Dr. Kimberly, <laughs> we're so happy to have you. Forgive you me. You were doing just fine. All the blunders. <laughs> Thank you so Woo. much. Um, very uh, introduction, Sora. I'm tickled pink and gorgeous and green. Hallelujah. 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 You, you, have a bad strong, you is kind. You is important. We have a bad connection. <laughs> Bless you, Dr. Kimberly. We're so glad and so happy that you are here with us. Um, Thank you so much. I, 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 I couldn't wait. I know our first uh, opportunity was here in June, but uh, my experience with you with Ups uh, Sim was just marvelous and had me taking another class, uh, Black Women uh, in Mental Health as Resistance. I, I, I can't take the next two classes, but come January, I'll be back on the road. 
Sounds good. I'm, I'm uh, that uh, <laughs> Cannon Women's Center is one big thing, so I'm glad that um, I was yeah, able to um, accept the invitation to facilitate the course on women's biblical interpretation and got an opportunity to learn alongside great people like yourself. Blessing, <laughs> blessing. So we so most times I ask the first question, how are we doing in these COVID streets? However, now that they have said that we no longer have a pandemic, even though some people are still having trouble with COVID, how have you been doing since COVID? How about that? I have been uh, masked because I don't, I don't know these people. <laughs> I have trouble doing some contact tracing if I don't know all these people. So I decide to uh, not only protect others, but protect myself, protect my vibranium with my um, mask when I do travel. Uh, and the good thing is, I uh, now that we're towards the now that we're at the end of the semester, uh, my time is a little bit my more my own, and that I'm not having to be going back and forth to be with the people. I get my groceries delivered. I get my I, if I could get my gas delivered for the car, I do that too. So I'm making I'm. <laughs> America to work because I uh, make use of the conveniences that COVID brought us. Yes. And it the best thing is this Wi-Fi and us online um, providing, I think we started right, right during the main, yes. the first part of the pandemic um, to, to, you know, just bring a voice. And it's been a great uh, opportunity for us. We got some questions here, and I'm going to ask Dr. Bradford, your AME sister, yes, to, to read some of these. Yes, How about that? Yes, ma'am. Even though she's not an AKA, she is an uh, AME. Oh. We'll let her have that. Uh, Bradford, I apologize for not muting fast enough. If there's anything to be said, Dr. Chalice, I've been AME longer than I've been AKA. There you go, baby. That, that, that gives me some consolation right there. Because I um I felt like I was frozen. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's from the one that came after us. Mm. In fact, all of them came after I'm us. I'm very familiar. I'm very familiar. This is good stuff, though. We we all work together. There yes, are many how about that? One body, many members, if I can dip into that. I, I love that. If I would venture, uh, venture to say, we all started together. So I, I love your book, um, Revisiting Rahab. And as the four of us were going through what we would ask, um, we came up with uh, some questions that were that would spark some great dialogue, right? And one was, why, why Zona? Mm -hmm. um, explain the Hebrew meaning or the Hebrew text of, of Zona. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so let me start with your first question, which is the why. Why spend, yes. why spend the whole chapter, really, yeah. of the book on this one Hebrew term? Um, in most biblical narratives, the writers share information about the important characters that are pertinent to the text, mm. right? So we learn Jephthah only has one kid and it's just this daughter. That's gonna be important for the story. Mm. We learn that David is the youngest of his family, but he good looking. That's gonna be important for the story. Come when on, the yeah. biblical writer or writers introduce this woman in Joshua 2, um, they're careful to say that uh, or to mark her as a zona. Mm -hmm. a zona is translated, if you go to the BDB, which is the most commonly used Hebrew lexicon or dictionary, you'll find uh, that it usually gets translated in our English text as prostitute, prostitute. harlot, yeah. or a whore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I found it interesting that though she's introduced as that, there's no Act, there's no sexual exchange that takes place in the text. Mm. And so as a biblical wow. scholar, I know that these designations are supposed to be important for some reason. Otherwise, you just say, actually, the text would probably, the writer would probably just say, ended up in George's house, right? Because we already have an issue. 
Wait, Doctor, Doctor, you 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 went by you went by that too fast. You said there was no sexual. There was no encounters. There's no sexual exchange, no commodification in the text. Correct. And all these years, we've just been using the same narrative that we've heard over the years. Over and over again. Yeah. My God, today. Yeah. I, that, um, the other reason why I, I spent the time to dig around with this this term is because in all of my, I'm a, I'm a church kid. So yes. in all of my time, all of my encounters with Rahab, it's Rahab, comma, the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yes. The sermons make a big deal out of Rahab mm-hmm. was a if God can use a prostitute. God can use anybody. Mm-hmm. But then when you read the text for yourself mm-hmm. and you read it closely, or at least when I do, I have to say, well, wait a minute. There's no, there's no, there's no sex work going on here. Now, what we do know is that the biblical writers know how to talk about sex. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. There are a couple, we have examples throughout the, throughout the canon mm-hmm. where that evidence they know how to talk about sex. One way, mm-hmm. one way they talk about sex is they 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 lay down, and the next thing you know, Susie's pregnant. Right, especially at somebody's feet. He went into her, yeah. with her, knew her, blah blah blah. Yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether she wanted him to or not, pregnancy. The most obvious uh, uh, evidence for a sexual encounter. There's no pre- there. There's no. There's none of that. In Rahab's story, there's no exchange of money mm-hmm. or favor, right? Yeah, there's none of that. that, none of that. In return for sex, Rahab does not get shekels, sheep, um, an upgrade in her living condition, any anything like that. So, um, all so I, I became very suspicious of this use. Of Zona, so that took me down um, the road, mm-hmm. and um, so I did all of that work in one of those chapters, and so I've come to define Zona as a female member of the Israelite society mm-hmm. who is held in contempt by the community because of their uh, engagement in in sex work. Mm-hmm. It's a female. It's always a female engage in sex work. The problem here, because uh, sex work, which threatens the idea that males alone control the female bodies. Ooh. Ouch. That pushes back. No, 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 we just need to let that sit. Rewind. Oh. <clears throat> Wait a minute, if I was in... If I was in the church, I said the organ need to play right there. Okay. All right. Okay. No, we need to bring this definition to the Supreme Court. That's what we need. Well, and, and I want to be clear. I'm defining Zona, and I'm also saying that in this story, Rahab is not acting as a Zona. But this is what yes, 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 yes. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. Oh, wait a minute. One of our views, one of our views asked you to repeat that again. They missed it. So help, help them. I Zona, but I want to be clear that in this story, Rahab is not acting as a Zona. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Glory. <laughs> but I think I need, to, I need to go get my scarf. I need to wave some. Good God. Then oh, the go question, ahead. I'm sorry, Doctor. Uh, the question that you asked me, but it, but that understanding prompts a new question. Yeah. So then the question has to be, then why is she marked as a Zona? Please answer it. I think she's marked as a Zona for at least um, two reasons. The primary reason is a Zona, because of their connection to sex work, would have been almost diametrical opposition to the uh, ideal Israelite woman. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. So she is the exact opposite of what the Israelites would have held up as um, good, right and just. And so now we can say the God of the Israelites is so big, bad, gracious and better than all bigger, better, deafer than all of these other gods, because 
this God even accepts the one that's the furthest away from what we consider ideal. Therefore, mm. if God can work with a Rahab. If God can work with a Zonon, God can work with anyone. Wait, wait. That, that could be an overarching motive for the biblical writer. That, oh, that if that didn't open the eyes. Which explains why she shows up in the New Testament. Yes. Oh. In the lineage of oh, our faith. Go ahead. Yeah, even before we get to our, our Christian savior, she shows up in the lineage of King David, who's the big dog in the Old Testament. Right. Right. You're right. Now wait. So, so, so we're going to ask you to say that one more, one time. more again. One more time. One more time. Um, by marking her as a zona or a prostitute, the biblical writers then get to make the claim that the God of the Israelites is so compelling, so grand, so big, so so gracious, so magnanimous, and 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 to follow this God is so compelling that even the person who's furthest away from acceptable mm -hmm. would would align with this God, would follow this God, mm -hmm. and this God and this God's people would accept the one on the margin. That that's a great great segue to our next question. Okay. You compare Rahab's encounter to the epic of Gilgamesh. Mm -hmm. Could you explain the importance between the two? And you kind of alluded to it just now. So if you could further explain or the difference between the two or the importance sure. between the two. Sure. Um so just to give a bit of background, because I'm not clear on how well-versed your, uh, your viewers are in ancient Near Eastern literature, but uh, one of the more famous and uh, more popular narratives or stories told by ancient the people who would have lived in ancient Sumer, ancient Babylon, and so forth, is the story, the Epic of Gilgamesh. This story and many, actually much of the ancient Near Eastern literature is important to us as biblical scholars because the, the Israelite material or the literature of ancient Israelite, Israel comes out of that same um, cultural dynamic. So it's almost like saying, I'm from Chicago. So it's almost like saying um, stories told in Chicago, they sound a whole lot of like, like stories told in Detroit. Mm. They sound a whole lot like, wait a minute, wait, they, they do, they step in Chicago, but they, they move the same way, but they call it something different in Detroit. The ancient Near Eastern stuff is older than the ancient Israelite stuff. So in many ways, what we see in our Bible, sometimes our echoes, what I, 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 when I talk about this with my students, I say we're dealing with echoes of the ancient Near Eastern stuff. So there, every culture has a creation story. How did we get here? Much of what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 are echoes of some ancient Near Eastern literature that would have been um, mm -hmm. floating around or in the air while, the, now I'm, I'm all off on the tangent, while mm -hmm. the Israelites are in exile in Babylon. So the story, the old stories of old Babylon are being told over and over again. These ancient Israelites are hearing it when they um, are no longer in um in exile, they come back and the, they're asking the question, how did we get here and how do we make sure this don't happen to us again, mm -hmm. right? How, how, how do we come to this place? Let's tell our creation story. And it's not surprising that we see some of the same themes, some of the same motifs showing up in Gen 1 and 2 as yeah. we see in the Numa Elish or as we see in Asfahasis. So the story of Gilgamesh is often aligned with the story of Noah's Ark. Because at some point, there's a story that the, a flood comes. And one guy is set apart and he um, um, is not consumed by the flood. Yeah. Long story short, Gilgamesh goes on a journey with his friend. He and his friend want to do hood rat things. So they go on this journey and he wants to, to eventually meet the immortal guy, Utnapishtim, who has survived the flood. On his way he stops at a tavern. The tavern is owned by a woman. The woman's name is Suduri. 
Saduri not only provides him with hospitality, but she also provides him with um, direction that helps him get to where he's, so she's wise, this mm -hmm. is a wise character who helps him get to where he's supposed to go next. In the same way, I see that same sort of thing happening in this story of two spies from Israel, Israel who come to a new place and they go to this lady's spot and this lady, in this instance, her name is Rahab, not only provides them with hospitality, but gives them some direction, some wisdom. This sister actually negotiates, for, she's playing a long game, but mm -hmm. the same sort of thing is happening. So we have this motif of women in this innkeeper, tavern keeper type of role in these, in these different stories. So that's the connection I saw. I hope that answers your question. Oh, I mean, they are business women too. Uh, I think in in right. some translations, um, say say that they owned uh, their property. Um, the, the, uh, uh, Doctor Burns and I had a conversation about Rahab one time, and I had and and she, she made sure that she and her whole family were were saved. So I said, okay, Burns, you my family, so you're going to be saved too. So if that's not a womanist interpretation, mm -hmm. all the way back they have, I don't know that. I'm going to push that a little bit further. I'm going to push that a little bit further. If I remember correctly, and I'm sure somebody has uh, opened uh, Joshua 2 and they read in the text with me. <laughs> I think the text says that it's going to be her mother, her father, her brothers, her sisters, there's no mention of a husband. Yeah. All that belonged to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just the family. Yeah. But if it's yeah. anybody, so it's the workers mm -hmm. who belong to bro, Brother Joe has a patch of land and he employs five different families. Mm -hmm. uh, any, and I argue, I have a lecture and I talk about um, if, it's, if we understand that what we've got going on here with this house is that Rahab is running a tavern, a way station, an inn, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And let's just say she's a businesswoman. You don't bother me. I'm not going to bother you. If some women want to rent out rooms or on an hourly rate, mm -hmm. as long as we don't have no problems, Rahab said, okay, okay, Trixie, have at it. But you owe me, you know, three shekels at the end of the night. I don't care if you made 15 or if you made four, you just give me my three and we ain't gonna have no problem. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been, so the, the, the spies say, everybody who's under your roof when we come back, we're gonna spare. Mm -hmm. It's reasonable to me that the people who worked for Rahab would have been under her roof. Mm -hmm. That her family and everybody who was with her family could have been under her roof. So now I'm thinking about how much of the community, mm -hmm. not just her, the people she could name probably, but how much of the community, now that's very uh, womanist concern for the whole mm -hmm. community. And if we say that she's concerned for Trixie, she makes sure that Trixie and Ch Cherry Wine and whatever the other girls' names were are there, then she's also making sure that the, the least of these. Yeah, ooh. As well. Yeah, I just, um, and thank you for that, Dr. Rousseau, because I, I, I found that, um, and Dr. Wallace, it, hard to believe it's almost a year ago, that um, when we had this initial conversation um, around, it might have been a little bit more than that, um, but, but, but the text stating that to me um, then validates, um, that for, it, what it did for me was that it validated the mis, um, uh, the mi the mischaracterization of Rahab mm -hmm. for her to have that kind of influence, mm -hmm. right? And that even for others to come then, um, that when they came to search, they took her word for it. Mm -hmm. These men aren't here, that they took her word for it. Yeah. And and so um and so in hearing that and, and looking at that text and how Rahab and and what I want to call in English terms has been reduced Mm -hmm. to an understanding of a prostitute and and that and and in doing that that you strip her of how she was apparently respected mm -hmm. um how her word was taken and how she had an understanding for her entire community yeah. so so just just thank you um for that we have one of our guests natasha robinson 
who says, as a, um, as a professor, how do you handle hearing mistruths, um, isogeting um, of texts by church leaders, pastors, and preachers who consistently teach what you're teaching us is untrue? How do we get the real biblical interpretation from the classrooms to the pulpits and Sunday school lessons? Yeah, that's a good question. So the first thing I want to do is say, "Hey, Natasha." The second <laughs> thing is, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna nuance your language, and 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 I'm really concerned about that word "real," real interpretation. What uh-huh. most concerned with is responsible interpretation. <sighs> I like that. Mm. I like that. I have done my work when my students are engaging the text responsibly, mm-hmm. full stop. Because mm-hmm. different, different people see different things, right? Um, Hans-George Gadamer, the German philosopher talks about interpretation as fusion of horizons, that it, mm-hmm. it's that the fusion of horizons when you bring all of that you are and all of your history, all of your baggage, to the horizon, but the text brings all of itself and all of its baggage and all of its history. And when those two meet, that's when meaning is made. And so, um, uh, for instance, uh, yeah. So in my book, I talk about there. There is a, there was a study done with a group of former sex for either sex worker or sex worker allies in California who read different passages from the Bible and just had Bible study. And one of the key takeaways from that, oh, lo and behold, they read Rahab's story. And their understanding of what Rahab is doing in that text is very different than what Mother Jones understands. Ah. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that those ladies uh, understand is is not, 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 cannot be, they, they were doing responsible readings of the text. Mm-hmm. Responsible readings of the text. So what do I, Natasha, what do I do when folk come up to me with some foolishness that, because um, I think that's where you're going. I use, depending upon the situation, because context always matters, mm. I'm probably going to ask them to show me where that is. Mm. How are you understanding that? Mm. I try to I try to move people with open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you? How do you understand that? Well, what have you considered? Well, what about? Well, how? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually they either get flustered and throw throw a Bible verse at me and leave and talk about she ain't got no Jesus. Or, <laughs> you ain't got the, you ain't got no oil. <laughs> I, ain't got, I ain't oily. I ain't oily. Um, uh, or they'll say, you know what, I, I have to think about that. Mm-hmm. I have to think, okay, that, that's a gracious exit. Or, you know what, you, you, I, had, I had not considered that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, re, that, that's fine with me. Because mm-hmm. that says that you came in thinking one way. Now, mm-hmm. when you uh, had an opportunity to sit with the text differently, you're open to considering other possibilities that might be, again, more responsible. And that responsible is important to me because I don't want there to be violence done to the pews. Mm. Yeah. Done to the text from the pulpit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it's fluid. Yeah. And bringing my whole self to the text and engaging the text with my whole self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That contextually, that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Wow, because that's what we do. We don't say it. Mm-hmm. That, people want to say uh, this is this is an objective reading of the text. No, there's never there's no objective reading. Even textual critics who are concerned with the words, phrasing, mm-hmm. that they're, they're not so they're they're, they're not fully objective because there's always something that's going on in in them or their their mindset their their understanding of the text. We, we probably need to start with what do you, what, what do you think this Genesis through Revelation is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God. And, and we all bring our own experiences leaving and education, you know, to, to the text. Um, and I, I'm thankful that sometimes when people know better, they do better. Absolutely. 
or at least they'll do different. Different. Oh. I, I'll use that. Yeah, differently. Mm. So you you talk about passing, yeah, and in, in our African American context, um, passing of course means if you light enough, you're gonna be able to pass as white. Mm -hmm. So define passing in Rahab's context. Mm -hmm. And of course, the now African-American community. Mm -hmm. Sure. So broadly defined, um, passing is simply the act of presenting as something that you that is not authentic to who you mm -hmm. are or what you are. Mm -hmm. Passing has occurred for generations. So it, it shows up in different, in different time periods. And more importantly, it shows up in different ethnic and cultural groups. African-Americans are not the only ones who have this thing called passing going on. Mm -hmm. And African-Americans in uh, 2023 are not the only ones who, or, or during the Harlem Renaissance, are not the only ones who have this thing called passing going on. Mm -hmm. So um, presenting as something that's not it's authentically who you are. As I was reading Rahab's story, I, I should back up and say, I was an English major in undergrad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, the good thing mm -hmm. at Spelman College made sure we read a little bit of Nella Larson. Mm -hmm. no, and as, as I was reading Rahab and ruminating over Rahab, I said, wait, especially that encounter she has with the king's messengers. Mm -hmm. I said, wait a minute. She's passing. She's presenting as a... Um, loyal, um, fully committed mm. member of the Canaanite Jericho community mm. to these men. <sighs> Meanwhile, she got these Israelite spies upstairs under some, <laughs> some, some flaxseed or something. Hold on. She, she, she's, she's, she's not, she, she's presenting a different person to these men mm -hmm. passing. And that's when I, when I saw that connection, I ran with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, that is amazing wow. that you extrapolated that from the text mm -hmm. and being able to identify. Usually, usually when pa passing, usually um, that phenomenon usually takes, there are a couple of things that mark passing. I can't mm -hmm. remember them all, but they're in the book. But mm -hmm. uh, first of all, they're doing it either for some gain or to avoid some sort of bad thing happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. thing. There's also this uh, part of the uh, element of the phenomenon where the person who is passing has made the decision to jettison or dis disconnect from their community. Mm -hmm. There's also mm -hmm. an element of passing where there's a secretive element, right? Mm -hmm. That they're keeping a secret and the folk who know who they really are, have her, she has to trust that they're going to keep her secret, which mm -hmm. to me gets to this whole, bring all your family to the house. Ooh. First question is, why ain't the family, at, first of all, why do we have an, um, a woman not living under the household of a male? Mm. She either, in, in this time period, she's either supposed to be living in her father's house or in her husband's house. Come on. The writer starts out and said they go to Rahab's house. So mm -hmm. somehow or another, Rahab, and then we find out later in the story that her father and them are indeed somewhere else because they got to come to her. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. so that part where she has distanced herself from her community. So I mm -hmm. think about how many times did she go to get water at the well and she saw her cousin. And her cousin mm -hmm. just looked at her and went, uh-huh. Right, sips tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or how perhaps there was a situation where uh in the early days the cousin, the little cousin didn't know them, hey Rahab. And the the auntie is like, uh-uh, uh, 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 uh let's go, let's go. We don't know that lady. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, 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 this you you're right that more than Rahab has done this thing called passing. The one the thing that comes to my mind is Ruth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How she how she decides to pass and go into Boaz. Um well now we're gonna have a have another conversation. Listen. 
it's only four chapters, but there's a whole lot. Yes, there's a whole lot. And you you really helped us in class to look at what were um, the characteristics and maybe, and, and in some instances for her survival. And if we would think about it in our own communities, mm -hmm. many of people that we say are women of the night are doing what they can do to feed their children. That's what so, they that's what these women at that uh, California Bible study were talking about. Absolutely. I, I, now, now you got me on the t uh, got me fired up here, uh, uh, Dr. Brenda, because I also want to talk about the character of. We've talked about the characterization of Rahab, but we need to talk about some elements of Rahab's uh, Rahab's character. In that, during this time, there weren't that many ops. We don't. How many? Let's just look at it within the biblical text, the canon. How often do you see women having conversations? First, women speak and have direct conversation with males. Not mm. many. Mm -mm. In Rahab's story, not only does she have direct conversation with males, but she has direct conversation with males who represent power and authority. Come mm -hmm. on. If those, if those king's messengers had suspected or found out that she was lying, she probably would have died on this. Nobody cares about her. She ain't got mm -hmm. no people around here, so we just mm -hmm. going to slit mm -hmm. her going about our business because that's treason right so she's passing in order to uh because it's a life or death situation right mm -hmm. then she turns around and she passes with the Israelite spy i know your god is the one yeah. you know, done all of this stuff up and through here and you know what when we heard y'all were coming whoo we fainted with fear we were overwhelmed whoo look at here now since i've been kind to you smooth <laughs> Smooth. Why don't you hook a sister up? <laughs> That's Smooth. it. That's it. That's it. Hook a sister. That way, if you go that way, you ought to be able to catch them. Y'all need to go this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three days. Give them about three days. You ought to be able to come down out of the mountains and go on about your business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That alone. Dr. Russo. Influence. Um, yeah. Dr. Rousseau, we have one of our viewers who asked this question. So if you're reading the text and it says Rahab was a prostitute, unless that person has done the in-depth studies you have, in the per is the person misquoting the text? No, the person is not misquoting the text because the word Zonah is in the Hebrew. It's in the text. It's in the text. My question is, why is it in the text? Mm -hmm. yeah. And not just it is in the text. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a great question, Reverend. Well, I think in, in our study and in our teaching, we need to bring a different voice or a different um, perspective on what Zona and who Zona is. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes they are, uh, and I love the Catholic uh, Jerome commentary which which often says things that are not necessarily in our traditional um commentaries it, it says that it, it it said that rahab was a business woman mm -hmm. man that was um fulfilling it was enlightening and it's just a different and we all bring our own interpretation to the text we bring our own histories to the text. We bring our own experiences to the text. So that's why I hear you saying that no one can say this is the authentic or the is the only way to look at this text, which, which is uh, a blessing, I think, in itself. I think, that, um, thank you for that. To push that a little bit further though, I think what we're, where we're going is it's important to also read the scholarship. Yeah, because um, folk like so. Let, let's let's play it like this. Charles ain't got time to go run around in the BDB and See. then out that halote and then do a word study. Uh, but she could she could buy my book. And, and you better know I will. I have. It's in there. So so even with this zona treatment, I'm thinking about the um um mm -hmm, uh, Dr. Randall Bailey, African American biblical hermeneutic has an article called, They're Nothing But Incestuous Bastards. I usually try to, um, assign it, I, like to use, I like to halfway curse in my class and if the, on the syllabus I can do it. But yeah. then it makes the claim that oftentimes uh, when a 
one group is trying to minimize another group, they're going to do a couple of things. They're going to sexualize, over-sexualize them. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to get rid of their library their, where they keep their intelligence. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> and then I can't remember the other two things. So that's what's that to, to mark uh, Rahab as a zona. Could, this could be an example of that first move that, mm-hmm. that, that, the, that the Israelite writer is trying to make. Also, Dr. Renita Weems mm-hmm. in her um, mm-hmm, Battered Love. Battered Love. Yes. Uh, metaphors used in the prophets. And one of the ones that is very popular is this uh, use of the sexualization of the uh, woman as a stand-in for how God is going to treat nations who are unfaithful. Mm-hmm. Throw your yes. uh-huh. You mm-hmm. will be, uh, you, you are acting like a zona. Mm-hmm. So, so zona actually shows up in all three portions of the Hebrew canon, the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim, the, the law, the prophets, and the, and the writings. That mm-hmm. tells me that that word was popular for the Israelites over a broad swath of time because these three different uh, sections are reading are written at different times in the life of the Israelites. So um, um, Bailey is talking about it in one way, the sexualization in one way. Wayne's just talking about it, and then you're not going to get that if all you do is read the NIV. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Shot. Shot fired. Shot fired. Oh, Hallelujah. Not more than just one um, biblical writing or biblical interpretation. Um, and, you know, I hate to do this shameless plug of Logos, but Logos has can give you a little some of that history that mm-hmm. if you don't have time, like uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Chalice, to do uh, in-depth uh, exegesis, you can find um, that there that the scholarship is there. Now, some and of that stuff is dated. Professors have gone to seminary. You know how to use the resources. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, ladies, we we have about five minutes um, left in our time. I do want us to get to this okay. um, last question that we have. You got to um, um, uh, to this this one uh, where you speak about women as the the POWs. Yeah. Uh, we we. Five minutes is not going to do justice to this, but I, but I, but, but we want to hear about it from the text of Rahab and us, us here now. Please. Yeah. So, um, in Genesis, uh, in Joshua six, at the end of the, uh, we like to call it the conquest story, but it's 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 war. At the end of the war that results in the destruction of Jericho, mm-hmm. we find the part where uh, Rahab's people are standing on the outside of town, looking back over at the destruction of their their hometown and the text says something like mm-hmm. and Rahab and her people Rahab and her people were set set sat out were made to be outside of the Israelite camp for seven days or whatever the prescribed period of time was and then they've been amongst the Israelites until this very day. That felt very happily ever after mm-hmm. to me. Okay. And just the human in me said was very suspicious of so let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. You came to town, burned the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. And I live happily ever after <laughs> with y'all. No, that don't even seem like a good idea. No. Then further in um, the the canon, we find out that this Israelite guy named Salmon has a baby by the by a woman named Rahab. Mm-hmm. That really turns down into the lineage of King David. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was suspicious of that he- 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 happily ever after, first of all, I think that our use of the term conquest, the conquest of Jericho, is too soft. Mm-hmm. It's too soft. They, there was no conquest. It was a massacre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They went there and took over those people's very live lives and livelihood, mm. and to, to to use terms like conquest to me makes it too it's too romantic. Distances us too far from the the, the brutality that was going on there. America <coughs> be a massacre as part of a war campaign because we learned earlier that the Israelites are moving through this area, taking out 
uh, they have told me, we, we know what you did with Og and Sihan and all them other jokers. So we, we scared of y'all. Mm -hmm. So that made me say, well, wait a minute. How are, let's, how does war work in the ancient world? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I did the research because Chalice didn't have time to do it. Uh, <laughs> learned about, uh, we, you hear people talk about the spoils of war. We see it in the biblical text when mm -hmm. we're going to do a census and we're going to give land to the, the, the households that we just conquered. Mm -hmm. We're going to divvy it up and give it to people. Mm -hmm. Or we see in the, in the text, go in there and you can take all the bronze and you can take all the gold, but just don't take anything from the altar. Right. So the, 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 the physical materials. But what about the people who are left standing? Mm -hmm. So I realized that most uh, what I learned is that during this period, it's usually the women and the children who remain. Mm. So they would have been taken as what we would call prisoners of war. They were usually forced into some sort of labor, mm -hmm. especially with the children. Mm -hmm. And the women, if they were attached to a man, they were they, they treated the two groups of women differently. But most often um, it's it's reasonable to assume that there was some sort of um, sexual, mm. uh, un, un, what's the word, uh, unwelcome Ooh. sexual encounter with the, the women who were left as prisoners of war. So when I read that text that says Salmon and Rahab had a baby, I'll go, yeah, so I'm not so sure that you're going to tell me that Salmon actually fell in love with, married, and they had a whole family. Notice there's only one mention of one kid that comes out of this encounter. That right there. What we have here is that um, uh, Rahab, as a, as a Canaanite now living amongst the Israelites, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was sexually assaulted by a dude named Salmon. And out of, that, out of that encounter, there's a, a son born. And in that lineage, he's going to be an Israelite. Because mm. we're going to count him as an Israelite. as because of his daddy. And um, out of that, that eventually works its way down to King David. And then further down to um, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I, I think what we have here, if we if we peel back the onion and say, well, in context, how are how do how, how are people handled in war? Then that's what's happening. The prisoner of war situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Rousseau. You wow. have enlightened us. Yeah, you have made us think. Absolutely. You have forced us to go look at the text from a different perspective. Yeah. And and we are ever so grateful for your time with us. And we definitely, and it's, we're gonna ask our audience like we normally do, to put <laughs> the likes, the shares, and the loves, and to say, yes, Dr. Rousseau ne needs to come back. Cause she got to finish okay. that Rahab book. We just got the first part, a little <laughs> bit of the first part. We yeah, actually, you, mentioned, um, you mentioned Ruth, I'm working, I hope to finish this summer. I'm working on an essay dealing with Ruth and violence. So mm -hmm. when hopefully when we come back again, we can talk about Ruth as well. Oh, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so much for being with us, Dr. Russo. Hang around backstage with us, yes. if you would, please. Thank you. Wow, ladies, another powerful, absolutely powerful time. Thank you, viewer and audience. Put it in the chat. If you enjoyed this conversation, if it preached your mind, preach your thinking. And on next week, we will have with us none other than Dr. Merritt Seymour. Um, who will be talking about his newest book, yes. um, Starting Over Again. Thank wow. you all so very much for being with us. See you next week. Same time. God bless. Same place. Love you. Love you.